We should be very careful about artificial intelligence. We are summoning the demon. Today, on the Babylon Singularity interview sessions, we have a brother Lee Brainerd, fresh from a cold North Dakota morning, to talk about his new book, Apostasia, Rapture or Apostasy. I'm looking forward to getting to know my brother Lee. Stay tuned. Inspiring faith in Christ and anchoring hope in the age to come. This is the Babylon Singularity Podcast with Peter Herder. Hello. Brother Lee Brainerd, how are you this morning? Doing pretty good, yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. I, I, bel- I know you travel around, I mean, from what I can tell, you travel around quite a bit. Are you in North Dakota this morning? I am, and I will be here until my next trip. Uh, which will be on December 4th. I'm flying to Dallas. Okay. A, l- a little warmer. Yep. Going to be warm. And then I have uh, <laughs> four different engagements in Florida in January. And I've got another engagement in Florida in February. My goodness. You are busy. So you got a, you got a nice chilly. I'm guessing it's, it's chilly in Kansas City this morning. So I'm, I can only assume it's a little colder in North Dakota. Yes, it is. Um, I haven't looked at the temperature yet this morning, uh, but we're having a, um, well, it's kind of an ice ice and snow mix. (laughs) We're we're 23 degrees and windy. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. When I I went out and took my, you know, garbage out to the end of the driveway this morning, I was like, man, it's cold. So, yeah, I just imagine like, okay, North Dakota, it's going to be colder. So, all right, well, you're, you're inside, I, I'm assuming, with your, your cup of coffee and you're ready to talk about your book. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, hey, uh, Brother Lee, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, I've been looking forward to chatting with you. I mean, you know, we interact a little bit here and there on social media. Um, I've, I've seen your work uh, over the years. I want to get some idea of like who you are, um, how, because I, I've seen you, you've written a number of books. Um, before we get into the, the book, your most recent book, Apostasia, am I saying that right? I'm trying to sound somewhat like a Greek scholar. You, you, you pronounce the, the title of your book, so I, I know how to say it moving forward. Yeah, well, I say apostasia um, with the accent on the second syllable, and the last S is pronounced like an S, but there is no hard and fast rules for pronouncing Greek. It's simply a matter of protocol so that we're all kind of on the same page. (laughs) Okay. All right. You say potato, I say potato. Fair enough. I just, I just didn't want to expose my, you know, I, I, I have a feeling you've spent a lot more time in Greek text than I have. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a novice when it comes to snooping around uh, my uh, my Greek lexicon. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting your expertise on that. But before we get into the it's apostasia, like I said, potato, potato, um, rapture or apostasy, which is is which is the word the Greek word that you're you're, you're uh, digging into there, right? The, the word apostasy, and 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 we will get yeah. into that in a minute. 
give us, you know, an idea of I it's it, it looks like you you write um mostly um fictional books that kind of center around the kingdom of God. Give, give us give us a minute or two on on your career as an author. Okay. Well, the first book that I wrote I wrote Oh, about 25 years ago. Well, I started it 25 years ago. It was published in 2000, and it was um, on the question of whether the rapture is going to be uh, the the new pre-wrath rapture or if it's going to be the uh, the pre-tribulation rapture. That was my first book. Um, since then, I've written a number of other books. And one what was the what was the title of that first one? The first one is called The Pre-Wrath Rapture Answered. Okay. It happens to be out of print, and I've had different friends out there in the prophecy and discernment world ask me to redo that book and bring it up to date, so it's on my to-do list. <laughs> Along with traveling around the world. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you start so you start off with the—go the, uh -huh. ahead. I was going to say another book that I've written that isn't on prophecy is called The Glorious Salvation Machine. And I use satire in there to expose both a legalistic view of the gospel and the antinomian view of the gospel and just present a balanced gospel. And um, that one hasn't sold very well. Um, it's probably off the radar for most people. But I find it a fascinating subject because I have had people read that book and tell me, you know, I never really understood what was wrong with the modern gospel until I read your book. Wow. And they got a laugh all the way through. <laughs> okay. So, so what's you, interesting, you, uh -huh. in this book, here, I'll just read off some of the chapter titles in here. It'll give you an idea of how I approach the subject. Yeah. Um, it start, the first chapter is the big empty, and it just mentions how every human being is empty until they find the Lord. Mm. And that's why they run around their whole life trying to find fulfillment. And then I've got chapters like Reverend Quacksalver, Jumping Jack, oh, Hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Reverend, Reverend, what was it? Quacksalver. Quacksalver is an old word for bad medicine or quack medicine. Oh, quack medicine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yep. And then oh, we wow. have All right. um, Jumping Jack Hallelujah, uh, Strawberry Nostrum, and Willie Rush Forward. Those are all oh, creatures. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing mix of a heart for, you know, um, alignment with uh, biblical gospel, the gospel that was handed down to us through Jesus and, and through the apostles that we find in the word of God. So that at the heart, the core of it is is uh, an allegiance to the gospel, which is beautiful. But then Amen. a, a um, just a, a <laughs> kind of an old school wit. I mean, you're, you're pulling out like some uh, like very informed historical kind of humor um, that I might have to like, you know, do a, do an internet search to find out why it's funny. But then when I find out, I'm going to get a, get a good laugh. <laughs> yep. Oh, and wow. Then, since then I've done my prophecy fiction series. Okay. And tell, uh, tell us a little and, bit about that. 
Okay, the, the series is called Planet Shaken, and it's based on the passage that's in uh, Luke and in Matthew, the Olivet Discourse, about men's hearts are going to fail them for fear because of the things that are coming upon the earth from the heavens because the powers of the heavens have been shaken. And I demonstrate in this book, I bring in a lot of Bible prophecy, I bring in a lot of ancient history, particularly the catastrophes that happened in and after the flood, including the comets and the great earthquakes and asteroids. Mm. And I bring in a lot of um, intrigue and New World Order type stuff. Okay. And it, it traces the development of the last days prior to the 70th week. And it will end with, well, of course, from my perspective, I believe there'll be a pre-tribulation rapture. Mm-hmm. And so I, I end the book with the rapture, and then people realize they're going to be going into a time of darkness. But even if a person didn't agree with my location of the rapture, I think there's a lot of information in the book that would be very helpful for them in their understanding of the things that are coming upon the world in the last days. Yeah, sure. And I mean, and, and while we're just kind of on on that specific subject, um, you know, the there's a fellowship that we share uh, made possible and made real by the the shed blood of Christ and by His Spirit. That that that's going to be the glue that 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 bonds us together by the grace and sovereignty of God. And it's not going to be, yeah, it's not going to be, you know, we may or may, we may wrestle through, you know, some perspectives on what we believe the the scripture says. And um, I think we get into trouble when we um, cast maybe suspicion on maybe people who differ um, on our our perspective, like, oh boy, you guys just believe this because of that, or, or a kind of an accusatory tone that's completely unnecessary and actually unbiblical when we're actually called to, to bear with one another in love and, and Hey, we'll, let, let's walk this thing out together. Like, Hey, if, 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 if we get, um, if, if the Lord, you know, um, rapture, if we're into a, a pre-tribulation rapture, then awesome. Let, you know, I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit while we're in the clouds, like man, brother Lee, you got it right. I got it wrong, man. Sorry. I think, I think we'll both be able to put it behind us at that point. Um, and then oh, it, man, we'll be so looking forward to the glory in front of us. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So, so that, so we, we can, we can, and then, and then, you know, if, and then if we are called to suffer and die together, you know, we're, we're, we're both signed up for that. So there's no, you know, there is no, uh, you know, the, I think some of the, the, sometimes maybe we think maybe some of the dangers could be if, if, if there's an escapism, like, but I've, I haven't gotten that tone from, from you or what you teach, or what you preach. I, I, I have seen you say time and time again, like, Hey, if, if things get difficult in this country and if these, th- if things take a turn and the Lord, um, as you know, asks us to lay our lives down for him, for his glory, we will not flinch. We will stand to the very end and we will do it by the grace of God. And so we're not Absolutely. looking, yeah, we're not looking to get out of here to get away from anything because we're scared or because of anything. We, 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 we preach it because we believe it, not because we're scared or because we, we want an easy way out. Um, we believe exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, so, we, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that for me, I think 
there's a mistake and it's made by well, occasionally I see pre-tribbers that think this way and, and people that are opposed to the pre-trib often think this way that the pre-tribulation rapture is, is like you said an escape option but the fact of the matter is the church for 2,000 years has been under tribulation and the Bible says very plainly that it has been given unto us through much tribulation to enter the kingdom if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you're following the man that the world crucified, and the world has not changed. It's the same world. Amen. Any change in the world is superficial. That's right. Now, also on top of that, it's very interesting, and this is just a, a little insight. Maybe some of your listeners and what will find helpful is that if the pre-tribulation rapture is true, if it's true, it's not true because the church gets this magic pass that she gets to escape tribulation. It's only true because she's finished her 2000 years of tribulation. And now it's Israel's turn to get her chance to suffer for Christ before the Lord brings them into the new covenant. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So that, yeah, that, that actually helps to, to clear it up a little bit that you're you're not you're not pushing for a like hey we're America we don't suffer and before anything gets bad yeah lord's taking us out of here we can we can lock into that um i think i think obviously you'd see a great you know disservice to the body of christ in, in pushing a narrative like that um you're you know a stalwart of preaching the gospel regardless the cost and it, and 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 coming to terms with hey what is it going to cost us this world does not want to hear it this world doesn't want to be part of it, um, and it, it it may very well cost us our lives. And we cannot, like you know, like Stephen in the Book of Acts, cannot flinch. Um, and That's right. you know, it, because I mean, whenever the rapture is, the reality is the Lord can take any one of us home at any point in time He likes. And so, it, it's not difficult for Him to take us out of here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So that is right. Cool. Well, um, well, that sounds really fantastic. Uh, you you've been writing books for a while, and now it sounds like you're traveling around. And when you're you're traveling around, are you are you visiting churches and 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 talking about the return of the Lord? That's yes. That's one of my primary things. Um, now, when I I go to Dallas here in uh, December fourth through the sixth, well, actually it's through the eighth. The conference is the sixth through the eighth. Um, I will be speaking at the pre-trib study group conference and presenting my discoveries of uh, pre-trib rapture passages that I found in uh, Ephraim the Syrian. He's got 10 clear passages where he clearly distinguishes a pre-trib rapture. And uh, then um, I've also found some interesting material in Irenaeus and Origen and Eusebius. Okay, so you're you're so kind of digging into the the church fathers, some of the the earliest saints on record, yeah. and and trying to get a bead on what was their take on uh, the timing of the rapture. Yeah, and what we find is we find the very same thing back then that we're finding today, or or maybe I shouldn't say the exact same thing, but very similar, because by the time you get into the third century A.D., you'll find and especially when you get in the 4th and 5th century, it's a mixed bag. There are folks that have the church going through the tribulation, and there are folks that have the church delivered prior to the tribulation. So they were engaged in the same debate back then that we are engaged in today. The one difference 
is that today we have two new additions to the mix, which give us four options now, because back then it was simply pre-trib or post-trib. That's pre-70th week or post-70th week. Mm -hmm. Well, now we have a mid-tribulation position that's been added to the mix where um, where you're raptured exactly in the middle of the 70th week. And you also have what's known as the pre-wrath rapture, which is really becoming a very popular position where the church goes through the time of the persecution of the Antichrist and then is delivered um, prior to a very short period of wrath that's poured out. And, and people vary whether they think that wrath is a year long or just a few months long. Hmm. So now we got four views, but it's really the same struggle. How do we understand what the Lord says in the prophetic scriptures? That's good. That's really good. So that's you're you're uh, traveling around. You're talking about um, like just the theology surrounding the rapture. I mean, that's one of, one of your primary callings, since, and that kind of leads us to uh, your latest book. Um, yeah. I, it's a it's a really cool cover. I was like, you know, I got I got your book in in my hands, and um, the first thing I'm struck by is like, oh my goodness, there's like there's there's like Greek on the front cover. It's actually the the passage from Second Thessalonians, chapter two, yeah. and the 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 word apostasia is actually circled on the cover. It's a very cool cover, but I'm like, wow, this is gonna this is like a technical manual. This is. I mean, I, we want everyone to to buy one, buy three, and get as many as you can. Hand them out to all your friends. Give them as a Christmas. But this is this is not for the faint of heart. This is for somebody who really wants to dig into Second Thessalonians chapter two and what Paul uh, meant when he said apostasy. Give us give us the reasons why you wanted to tackle this book. Well, um, a few years ago. I was made aware that there was a controversy over the interpretation of hey apostasia, um, or if you were going to give it the Greek accent, hey apostasia, which put the accent on the end. But anyway, hey, let's um, let's just let's back it up just a second because we when sometimes when we get so deep into it, we assume yeah. everybody knows what we're talking about, and right. uh, uh, you know. So let can I uh, let, let let me just maybe can I can I read through the passage just really quick so that people Absolutely. can understand? Yeah, 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 it's a fantastic passage. So this is just from the top here, chapter two of Second Thessalonians, and I'm reading out of the ESV here now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered together to Him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or by spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. He says in verse 3, which is the, the, the verse that you were digging into, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion, or some ver versions would say falling away or apostasy, comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So you are zeroing in on that particular passage. Now, it came to your attention, and this this was actually the kind of fascinating to me, because I when, when I picked up your book initially, I was like, okay, he wants to dig into this, because this is, this is a, it's kind of, I am I imagine it's, it's, it's a difficult passage that, the reason why you 
uh, folks may want to look at that that word apostasy and turn it into uh, a rapture or taking away, it would make a lot more sense to fit the pre-tribulation rapture view. Um, right. And, and I, so when I was like, I was like, oh, wow, he's like, he's like going right at the heart of this thing. But you, the, I'll, I'll let you kind of break it out. But what I really appreciate is the, the, the scholarly honesty and you, you really do not bend on, on this. So tell us the, the, how the, the problem kind of came about um, as far as sure. like, um, and then, and then your journey in researching it, understanding the problem, and then what the conclusions you came to. Sure. Well, let me just give a brief introduction to my, to my, where I came to my prophetic views, because when I was uh, first became a born again Christian over four decades ago, I simply, uh, you know, just reading through the New Testament for the first time and uh, here I come to Matthew 24, and I see, hey, they're gathered after the tribulation. And I, I had never even processed or worked through the issue of whether there's two gatherings, one for Israel and one for the church, or whether we're all in one big bag. And, you know, you have to process that one, and you have to have good reasons which side you're going to stand on. So fast forwards, you know, um, um, around 1990 or so, I was convinced of the pre-tribulation rapture so now fast forwards to our day and we come to this controversy that uh on the interpretation of the of the word apostasy in second thessalonians 2 3 is it a reference to the rapture and should it be translated departure like a physical departure or is it a reference to apostasy or falling away which most versions have well i was really kind of astounded uh that this was even a controversy um, because in my mind, it never dawned on me there might be something other than the meaning of apostasy. Which is falling away. I mean, just from first blush reading through that that passage right there that I just read, it's Paul telling the, the church, um, the Thessalonian church, that, hey guys, don't we don't want you to be troubled, we don't want you to be moved, because it, it seemed at that point they were concerned that they had actually missed the rapture, right? I mean, it, it was like, oh yeah, my goodness, exactly we've been right. we've been left behind, and Paul wants to put them at ease so that they're not moved. Because, I mean, if you've already missed the day of the Lord, then what are you even doing? Like, like at that point, you're like, what am I even doing here? So they they were they were they were confused, and they were shaken. Paul saying, no, 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 do not be shaken. We want you to understand that. That day, that rapture will not come unless this apostasy, which I think traditionally pretty much across the board has been understood as a rebellion or falling away. But um, you, it, it, it came to your attention that, like, oh, oh goodness, there's a, there's a number of folks out there that are trying to push this narrative that it's not a falling away. It's actually a, uh, a being uh, raptured or, or being pulled away kind of a kind of an idea right yes and to be fair to the other side that i disagreed with um they did present a pile of evidence that at first blush or first glance looked looks pretty good because when i first read that article i thought whoa i hope this is true because they present the article or the argument um they turn you to little and scott the little and scott lexicon and they show you that the second definition is disappearance or departure. 
And I thought, okay, I can, up if, if that's what the Little and Scott says, that's what the Little and Scott says. Well, then, then they add that all the early English versions have the meaning departure, um, which allows you to then go either physical departure or spiritual departure. And, of course, they want to go in the, in the direction of physical departure. And so they, they make a plausible argument, and they bring out a few things more along the same line. And I look at that argument, and I say, well, that's, um, I'm a little uneasy simply because of my knowledge of Greek in general, but that's a plausible argument. And so I thought, I want to get to the bottom of this. If it's true that this can mean rapture, then I want to be on the page of truth. But I want to know the truth. So I engaged in a study where I did two things. One, I looked at all 1,508 references and, of apostasia. And I can, I can witness to that fact. He absolutely did. <laughs> and it is documented in his book. So yep. you, you then, will be well-versed in understanding 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 after reading this yep. book. You will be an expert. Yep. So there's 283 uses of apostasia from its first appearance in 250 B.C. in Archimedes, in a scientific sense, all the way up to 500 A.D., so you're and, not uh, you're so, not just looking at the use of the term apostasia um, in in church tradition. You're not just looking at it through the the church fathers. Even though you do do that, you're looking yeah. at it in the secular arena as well, and just saying, "Hey, right. how did people use this term in this period of time?" That's right, because we have an obligation if we're going to follow the historical grammatical hermeneutic, which we refer to in a popular term as a literal interpretation, we have an obligation to understand that the words in the Greek New Testament don't bear novel senses. They bear the same senses that the words were used in, in contemporary Koine Greek. Now, the one difference is the Bible can take a term like grace used in the same way that the world used it, but that's elevated out of the world's realm and up into a realm that takes God into, into consideration, and it revolves around God's manifestation of grace. And so this is true for every word in the Greek New Testament. Popular senses, oftentimes, in a ele- the popular definitions are uses in an elevated understanding or an elevated context. And uh, it, it's fascinating once you understand that, and, and it makes our options for understanding the New Testament in a way that we can actually objectively discern what is meant. Otherwise, we're just left to subjectivity. We can pick any meaning we want. Sure. So there's now, there's there's a there's a there's a margin of wiggle room um, that maybe um, f- you know folks, some of the scholars uh, want to utilize that wiggle room to say uh, like a word like apostasia could mean this, could mean that. We want to go ahead and try to use that wiggle wiggle room that we have to uh, to, to make our argument. Um, but what you're saying is that actually there's less wiggle room there than, than you're trying to push for because there's an entire volume of uses that they use that word in and they use it in this way. 
Yeah, and, and right. And even to clarify a little bit more, sometimes we do have two or three legitimate options to pick between, and then we're going to have to fall back on letting the Bible tell us which of those senses is correct. The, 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 the rub comes in is that we have to pick from senses that actually existed. And uh, now, once I did all that Greek study, the 283 passages from 250 BC to, to 500 AD, secular and sacred, then the next step was I went and I, I examined the history. I went and looked at the actual English, German, and Latin Bibles. Um, and looked at the translations, but not only did I look at the translation that was in the text, I looked at the footnotes, the marginal notes, the prefaces, the introductions, and I came to discover that the very English versions that are quoted in favor of departure in the sense of physical departure, i.e. the rapture, actually explained their use of departure or departing is a spiritual departing, a falling away or apostasy. Now that was very eye-opening. And really what this is, um, isn't so much, um, it, what it boils down to really is just the size of the pile of the evidence we look at. Mm-hmm. Because if a person looks at a small pile of evidence, you've just got a tiny sample of data. That data might, you can use this, um, logic and reason and common sense in that small pile of data will lead you to wrong conclusions. Whereas if you go out with this, again, a big pile of data and you use the same logic, the same reason, the same common sense, that big pile of data could very well give you a very different perspective than the small pile did. And so really it's not even necessarily a reflection on someone's bad character or um, or a bad hermeneutic, it's just not enough data gathered. And I really think that this is a problem that a lot of people have when they approach the Bible. Okay, so I mean, um, I I can only imagine um, this argument coming from a the pre-tribulation um, theological position. Um, I, I can't imagine somebody who is, you know, post, you know, post wrath or, or, or mid, mid wrath or, or whatever, post mid trib, whatever it's called, yep. um, really pushing for this because is that, is that, is that true? Is uh, most of the folks that are pushing for the, 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 the position that you're opposing are actually on kind of in your camp, right? Yes. And, and what that's, what's a very fascinating point because. Um, as I've had uh, some well-known brothers in the prophecy world point out, um, my approach to this uh, question is actually pretty unique because um, I'm opposing, here is a pre-tribulation advocate opposing a common argument used to defend the pre-tribulation rapture. And that looks a little odd. Why would I be trying to undermine myself? But I don't look at it like that. And I don't look at it like I'm trying to undermine the pre-trib camp, because in my estimation, yeah, we have an obligation to defend uh, points that we believe are true, but we actually have a deeper obligation that's a foundation under that. And that obligation is to 
being faithful to the revelation that God's given us in the Bible. And that's and and the, look, yeah, that's the part that I want to say. I really appreciate that was. It, it took me a sec- when I got the book in my hand. Just to be honest, it took me a second. I was like, "Oh my goodness, he's gonna he's gonna argue that the apostasy here is is the rapture." I'm like, "No!" Like it it took me it took me a couple of seconds to go like, "Wait, no, no, he's no, he's saying no, he's saying that the that it means a falling away." No, that's it's actually and then and then then I did the math on it for like three seconds. I'm like, "No, he's he's actually taking." He's taking a stand on scripture, even at the cost of maybe some of the folks in his own camp going, what are you doing? You're killing us here. And you're just standing there going, hey, I am preaching the word of God. This is my conviction. It's not going to change. And that's that's what I really appreciate about the stand that you're taking here. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to make a point that that very fact that your primary motivation is to preach the word of God not defend a theological position is 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 faithfulness in in my estimation yeah and i think we have this obligation it's a sacred obligation it's a holy obligation because what i've observed over the years one of my i i frequently am engaged in what we call the big controversies not just in prophecy but in calvinism versus the bible versus arminianism those kind of things and, and I see over and over again, people can be on the right side, or at least what I think is the right side, of a debate. And yet when you look at the arguments they use, some of them are very good arguments, some of them are mediocre, and some are just plain wrong or bizarre. And I think there's a tendency in the human heart to overextend ourselves in defending our position. And I really, when I come to arguing for the positions I believe, I want to to be faithful enough to the scriptures that when I stand before the living God and I give account, not just for what I believe, but for how I defended it, that how I defended it stands or does very well in the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't burn up as wood, hay, and stubble. It, it abides as gold, silver, and precious stones. And um, No, that's, no uh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's the heart of that's the heart of God, and that and that's and really at you know I, when you kind of add it all up, I would I would think, and I would agree with this, even though I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm I'm guessing you would say that this position, the the idea that what Paul is talking about here in Second Thessalonians two three is that you know there's a there's going to be a the it's that it's pointing to the rapture you would say you are actually hurting our position to to fight for this because the ground on which you're standing is not solid ground now i don't want to put words in your mouth i know you're you you got to tread carefully because you got a lot of you know a lot of friends and and i i would consider them friends too if i know knew who they were um and it's not about destroying people or or hurting people but at the end of the day, your stand for scripture probably demands that you go, Hey guys, let's give up on the unscriptural approach. Let's stick to the Bible. That's the best way for us to make our argument. Right. Right. Cause because in the long run, the truth is help, not hurt. When we are get rigorously faithful to the scriptures. Um, you know, let me just give you an example with, with cars. Um, 
we've got this internal combustion engine, we got this nice fine-tuned hot rod, and we read somewhere that someone says, hey, you know, you can make your hot rod run faster if you put 1% of water in your gas. Yeah, it sounds like it's a good idea. Uh, and they, you, you read some, some argument that says, oh, this is a really good idea. And it, it sounds good at first until you try it and you realize, no, <laughs> water in the gas doesn't work. And um, I think sometimes as we are working through these issues, we just realized that some of the stuff just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, you know, when you have the ground of scripture, when you have the volume of, of like the, the, the research that you've done church history and then, and then beyond not just the, 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 the church, uh, understanding tradition that we have, but also just the, the plain usage, there's really no, I mean, in my mind, there's really no reason to chase this thing um, to try to make this argument because we, the ground on which we stand, we, let's let's stand on the ground that Paul is standing on. And I know they would say, hey, that that is exactly the ground that we're standing on. But what I yep. can't, help me understand Help me understand just the logic of the passage in there, in 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 that that, in, and we want to do it justice. We want to we want to be careful and 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 do it right. Sure. Okay. So, like, I understand that passage to to mean that hey, Paul is 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 talking to the church that's that believes that they've missed the day of the Lord, they've missed the rapture, and they're freaking out. And Paul says, "No, you guys are are you've missed it. Um, don't." And I don't care if you get a letter that it seems like I wrote it to you. It doesn't matter what authority or what what source of this information comes to you. I want you to be clear on this fact that the day of the Lord, our gathering together, the rapture is not going to happen until this apostasy, a falling away, a rebellion, a a, a, um, a delusion. It's it's all packed throughout this whole this whole chapter that seems very plain to me and, and, and right. you, and you connect some of those nodes in there like, Hey guys, you know, how can we be talking about a rapture in, in the, in the first part of this, this, this verse here, and then be talking about the man of lawlessness in the next, they're like there, there's a connection here. We can't depart from the, the, the connection that's here. So, so Paul is saying very plainly, like, Hey guys, unless you see the man of sin, unless you see these events, you haven't missed the day of the Lord. That seems to be the very clear Bible logic of, and I, I think I could probably go borrow on a thousand solid biblical thinkers from every persuasion that will go, yeah, that's exactly what's going on there. Now, this, so I, I'm, I'm assuming I'm, I'm going to kind of do this live with you on the air. So correct me where I'm, where I'm wrong. But so the, 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 the position that you're arguing against would say that Paul is talking about, so he's talking, he's got the two, he's got two events in mind. He's got the, the, when he says the gathering together, I can only assume that they mean when, what the second gathering, when the Jewish and everybody's gathering and then, and then that, that, that day. So the, the second gathering cannot happen until the first gathering happens. Is that, is that the gist of the, 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 the position? Well, really what they're doing is they're equating apostasy in verse three with the gathering in verse one. And so by the time you get to verse three, they're saying the day of the Lord's not going to come unless the rapture has happened first and the man of sin has appeared. Um, 
And in my mind, I'm just thinking, well, I mean, yeah, that, that would, I mean, that would follow in in my own logic, but um, I want to be faithful to what the Greek and what, uh, right. What but the Greek means just, 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 just for clarity's sake, help me. So the, so when in, so verse one, it says now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered yep. together to him, are they, are they saying this is the rapture or this is the return of Jesus? Cause in their minds that those are two different things, right? Right, right. And no, they would say this is the rapture. See, what's very interesting, years ago when I was still holding to a post-trib rapture, I read a quote uh, from an author who said, John Darby was convinced of, uh, J.N. Darby was convinced of the pre-tribulation rapture by Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 3. And my, my first thought was, what? <laughs> How could that convince anyone of the pre-trib rapture? <laughs> right. Um, so then I went and I looked up the passage in Jan Darby's Collected Works because I had it in my library, and I, and I read the passage. And I followed his argument, and, and the argument points out that it doesn't say, I'm going to teach you, brothers, about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together un, unto him. In other words, it's not saying I'm going to teach you about the rapture. In fact, all the old English translations prior to the rapture controversy all translated the Bible, this passage, along the lines of the King James, where it says, we beseech you, brothers, by the rapture, or we beseech you by the parousia and our gathering together unto him. And so then I started digging into that, and I, I come to discover that in, in classical Greek and moving on into the Koine, Whenever you have a verb of beseeching followed by uh, the preposition who pair and then a, a purpose clause, the, the who pair is the reason for the question or the beseeching or the petition. And then the purpose clause is the petition itself. And so what, what he's saying here, at least how I understand it and the pre-trip camp understands it, He's saying, brothers, uh, I'm beseeching you by the fact of the rapture not to worry about the day of the Lord. And so as I started working through that, and I realized, yeah, it's true. I mean, this is how it's used in, in classical Greek. It's how it's used in Koine Greek. And basically, um, when you read the comments and the commentaries by the people, who oppose the pre-tribulation rapture, they're really scrambling trying to make the Greek work. They've got to make the preposition who pair be equivalent to peri. And the fact of the matter is that's extremely rare in Greek. And I don't think anyone could ever produce, a, I don't think anyone's ever produced a single example of who pair with a verb of beseeching or requesting or asking that ever had any sense other than um, giving the the reason for the petition um they never find one that's equivalent to perry so and so that this passage then ended up convincing me just based on the greek of the pre-tribulation rapture yeah so so help me because just to understand just the 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 framework of this this passage 
Um, yeah. So, so the so the first verse is is referring to the rapture, in the, and you you're saying that that's not. Just, I'm not just talking about your position. You're saying those who believe that Paul's talking about in verse in verse three, he's talking about the rapture as well. Um, I'm trying to understand logically how what's happening in Paul's mind as he's writing this letter. If if that sure. was the case, right? Because if, because if the if the logic from what I see is like, hey, Paul's worried about. He's he's concerned about the 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 brothers and the Thessalonians there um, being troubled about missing the rapture, and he wants to yep. he wants to stabilize them so that they're not worried about it. So he's going to give them some events that are going to occur before the rapture, so that they understand. Like, no these these events happen, then the rapture happens happens. Um, yep. Okay. Sure. Um, so just 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 really is- yeah just really quick just just for my, my my understanding it seems like what 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 the your the the or argument the the position that you're arguing against would say that okay there's we're, we're talking about the rapture here but how can how can Paul be giving how can Paul be saying okay I want to talk about concerning concerning the the rapture are gathering together with him how can paul yeah. then be saying like i want you to know that the the rapture happens before the rapture happens like that that's where i'm getting lost okay okay here's the thing um some people approach this passage and they think the rapture and the day of christ or some versions have the day of the lord are the same thing and if you if you start with that assumption no pre-tribulation rapture argument from the passage is ever going to make sense. It just can't. Um, because if they're the same thing, they can't be different things. So in, in a pre-tribulation position, um, you have this day of Christ or the day of the Lord is distinct from the rapture. Um, it, um, the day of the Lord is the day of judgment that comes upon the earth. The day of Christ is the day of, uh, of the Messiah. It's the day of, of deliverance at the end and bringing into the kingdom. Um, and, and that's true in uh, not only in the Old Testament, but it's true in, in the rabbinical uh, writings as far as, as their understanding of the day of the Lord or the day of the Messiah. Okay, so that's so, that, that's, super, that's super helpful because you've got the day of the Lord, which is the final— in 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 this in this theological understanding the final when jesus returns and brings his kingdom and his justice he ends everything the final yes. end is like the day of the lord and and so paul is saying about that day i yep. want you to understand you have not missed that day um um so you we're talking about the, we're talking about the we're talking about the two comings the rapture and then the final yep. day. And so that And here's how I understand the relationship of the last days events. In the in the Bible the typology of the rapture where it's given is the twinkling of the morning star. And and everyone can can grapple with that. When we have the typology of the day of the Lord, whether we find it in the Old Testament or in, for instance, in the book of James, it's the rising of the sun with burning heat. And then we have the uh, 70th week is the day of the Lord dawning greater and greater or more and more on the world. So that's how I understand it. And so, and that also helps to see why some people see a distinction between the rapture and, and the day of the Lord. Okay, so that's that's super helpful. So like just just from the so in in the in the pre-trib camp, 
Um, and I'm, I, what I'm trying to do is trying to distinguish in people's minds the difference between yep. Brother Lee Brainerd and the guy and the and the and the folks in his same camp that he's going. Hey guys, let, let's really uh, understand what's going on here. Um, yeah. You, so well, your your really position. The one big difference mm-hmm. between us on this passage would simply be that when they come to verse three, they're revisiting verse one because in verse one they say, "Don't worry about the day of the Lord or the day of Christ." That, that final day of judgment there, or the day of Israel's deliverance. Don't worry about that day, because we're going up in the rapture. And then when they come to verse 3, they're saying the same thing. You don't have to worry about the day of the Lord, because that day is not coming unless the rapture happens first and the Antichrist comes. So really, they're just reiterating their position. Um, and as far as the order of events goes, they're unchanged. Um, as far as their logic goes, um, as far as the exegetical understanding of the passage, that's unchanged. The only thing that I'm debating really is, um, I think that apostasia never means that. Okay. It just doesn't. It can't. And and the and the reason and and you're you're very you don't waffle. <laughs> you you are you come come down very strong again and again and again in chapter after chapter that like hey. Paul is not talking about the rapture in this verse. He's talking about a falling away. So from your research, from your study of that word, how, how it was used in church history, how it was used from basically, what you did you say, what you said like 300 B.C. to 500 A.D.? Is that what, was yep. that right? Um, 250 B.C., yep. 200 BC, 250 B.C. to five, 500 A.D., the, this this word word is used in this way, um, and there's a pile of historical um, data that that we can sort through, and the the conclusion is inescapable. Have you gotten any? I mean, I I know like probably you know there's there's probably you know, you know some responses aren't probably super helpful or whatever. Have you have you how how has the um, how has the, the 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 folks that you interact with, um, maybe some some of the folks that you differ with, how they responded to your work here? Well, here's an interesting one. I won't give the brother's name. He's a well-known name that that anyone that's interested in prophecy, especially if they've watched some pre-tribulation stuff, they would recognize his name. This brother, um, I gave him a copy of my book to read, and he was interested in reading it. And he recently wrote me a letter and said, brother, until I read your book, I was 50-50. I was, you know, it could be the rapture. It could be apostasy. He says, now I'm absolutely convinced that it can only mean apostasy. And the rapture interpretation is is literally not possible. Boom. And so. That's got to feel good. This brother has been um, encouraging other prophecy teachers to read the book and it'll be interesting to see what response we get. Um, you know, the interesting thing for me is I tried not to, to approach this. Now I tend to have a strong personality and so people might misunderstand me in person or in my writing. I tend to be very straightforward. So I don't like to, to beat around the bush, but I really tried to present this not as, you're, you people are, are poor exegetes and you don't know how to interpret the Bible, but rather just simply saying, we need to look at a bigger pile of evidence. 
we need to look at a much bigger pile of evidence because in every one of us has, has had times where we've made a mistake. We, we jump, we came to conclusion a, and later on when we had more evidence available, we changed our mind. And we all do that. We've all done that. And that's just part of the learning curve. You can't get to right without going through wrong. It's just, that's the only way to get there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, um, yeah, we, there's only, there's only one Lord and one God and, uh, you and I aren't him. So everybody else gets to, uh, gets to go on the journey of, of learning and coming to greater and greater knowledge of the truth. And that's, we seek him and he leads us in, in that journey. And, and, uh, uh, a gracious forbearance with one another, um, is what the scripture calls us to, um, and, uh, and, and I've seen, I've seen that, I've seen that from you over the years. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to take this, uh, morning and uh, get to know you a little bit better. Brother Lee, I appreciate you coming on the show. Do you have any, you know, what, what is, uh, what do you want to leave your listeners with? I mean, you got a fantastic book. You, uh, we, it's available on Amazon. You probably got it. Um, you got to probably post it on your uh, your social media. What's your remind me? What's your Twitter Twitter handle again? Soothkeep, which is Soothkeep. an old English word for mm-hmm. truth fortress. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Soothkeep. Yeah, so you can find him on Twitter. Um, you got? Do you have a website as well? www.soothkeep.info. Okay, soothkeep.info. And a YouTube info. channel. And a YouTube which is channel. Also Soothkeep. Yep. Okay, you're active on there and you're teaching, teaching the Bible. Um, so yeah, and I've got a, vi- I've got a video too on uh, on the Prophecy Watchers website. <clears throat> okay, cool. Well, uh, uh, listeners can go check him out there. Um, what what uh, what do you want to leave your listeners with? I just want to encourage them to uh, anyone that's got their eyes open, regardless of where they stand on the rapture question. They can see that this world is coming apart at the seams, that we're pushing towards the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and just keep going forwards. Just keep your heart tender to the scriptures. Just keep learning. Um, there's no shame if you come to a point where you realize you've been wrong in something. Just That's fine. Just change and move and go on. We're all in a learning process. If, if, if I had, Now, if I was a seminary professor today, and the Lee Brainerd of 35 years ago showed up in my class and, and stood for those positions in my class, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't have that high of an impression of him. But I was a work in the process, and we're all a work in the process. And just keep pressing on. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you've probably got some other books in the works. I know, I know you said you wanted to update some of the, some of your oldies too. I do. So, uh, I do. I've got one, another one I'm working on right now is called the new heavens and the new earth. Wow. Is it a refurbishment of the present creation or is it a cessation of existence and a replacement with a new ex nihilo creation? Wow. And I come down on the side based on 10 arguments from well, the Bible. Spoiler alert. That is. Spoil it. You want to, you want to give them, you want to give them the, the, the conclusions already. What if you, what if you change your mind? Oh, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) 
The, uh, All right, go I ahead. wouldn't be writing the book if I didn't already have <laughs> the strong conclusion. But I do come down on the refurbishment side. Okay. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Maybe uh, we can get you back on the show and talk about that book when it comes comes out. Brother Lee, I know a lot of folks look to you on Twitter and, and uh, keep uh, track of, of your ministry and how the Lord's using you across uh, the Internet. Um, so appreciate your ministry, what you do for the Lord. Uh, appreciate your allegiance to, to scripture and your faithfulness to Jesus. And, uh, really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Peter. And it's been my pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. I've enjoyed the phone call and I look forward to future interactions on Twitter and in emails and in maybe someday we'll get to meet in person. Oh, as do I. Sounds good. All right. Well, throw another log on that fire and uh, you enjoy the rest of your North Dakota morning. Thank you very much, Peter. God bless you, you brother. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That concludes this episode of the Babylon Singularity Podcast. We hope this podcast was a blessing to you. This podcast is listener-supported. Prayerfully consider visiting BabylonSingularity.com to support this effort. What we do, we do together. We appreciate every way you support this ministry. Please click on the subscribe button and leave us a review. Thank you for listening and we sincerely hope you join us next time on the Babylon Singularity Podcast. Babylon Singularity is a gospel ministry of Harvest Winds.